What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 241 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Thursday. Seems like the day uh, that we're recording now, January 13th, 2022. Is this is this the third, first podcast of the yes. new year? Yes. Wow. Yes, it's the first podcast of the new year, folks. Wow. Happy fucking new year. We're still here, and we'll, we are still doing this podcast. Really, the only hope that we have at this point is that there's some crazy thing that happens that makes us relevant again. But, you know, for you for you guys who are still here around and listening, it's worth it, so... But, but but we peaked. We've peaked. I mean, let's let's get that. You know, we peaked in we 2019. Peaked. We, we peaked didn't, in high school. No, yeah. no. <laughs> we we did not heed the advice of the the one star commenters on Apple. We did not heed their advice. We kept the chit chat. Well, to be honest, I don't think it would have made a fucking difference. I, I don't think it would have made a difference. Period. Like if we heeded their advice, because I think that would alienate a lot of the current diehard fans. That we still have to this day, and I, I just don't think this podcast would really survive uh, because I think both of us would hate doing this. Yeah, if we had to censor ourselves, or we tried or, doing that for a while. We tried like not swearing as much. Um, it's just not natural for how I talk. No, no, especially when it's something really upsetting. Yeah, or or, or brutal or shocking or something. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous to think that I'm not going to be like, this piece of shit needs to burn in hell. <laughs> that's, of course, that's going to be, I mean, what, like, I hate it when some really bad news is unveiled and the mm-hmm. the podcaster is just like, that is just awful. That is her, that is horrific. It's like, no, that's fucking terrible. Throw some fucks in there. It adds emphasis. I will say, if you cu- if you swear all the time, it does yeah, really it, like weaken the swearing, and it and it just becomes yeah. like it's like oh, you're trying really hard to be edgy, or I don't know. But just uh, before we get to the cases, I want to briefly mention uh, my experience with the Unsolved Mysteries official uh, shop. Oh yeah, because you bought a hat from there. Yeah, I bought a hat from. Uh, uh, Unsolved Mysteries is official uh, store. Now, Mike, is this a buyer beware story? Yeah, I, I actually it is, uh, and it sucks t- to be in this position. To be honest, because I really do not want to be in this position, <laughs> but here I am. Uh, I it, this hat costs like twenty seven bucks or something shipped. Pretty pricey. Pretty pricey, uh, and it's incredibly cheap like it's a really cheap hat the material is so cheap that the sticker on the bill like you just take it off just peel it off and there's like a ring that's left on the bill of the hat from the sticker oh god i tried to clean it off with like water and whatever like it it would not go away so there's always this fucking ring and there's also a catch too. If you look at their, uh, um, we're trying to think of the right word for it. Return policy. Look, the return policy. If you look at their policy, they're like, oh, things that could be worn are not are non-returnable. So 
essentially they could make the argument, well, it's a hat, so, you know, we're not going to let you return that. And you'd have to, like, return it yourself with, like, your own packaging and whatever and stuff like that, which makes sense because, you know, returns or whatever. But it's kind of a a shame because, you know, you think the Unsolved Mysteries official shop, like, this is a legendary TV show that's been around for years and years and years. Yeah. And I know that they've struck lucrative deals with all these streaming sites. Yeah. That's why they held back for so long. Everyone was clamoring for Unsolved Mysteries, the original episodes, not the fucking Farina episodes. Uh-huh. And, the, you know, on the AMAs and this, that, and the other, John and Terry were always like, oh, we're just waiting on the right deal and this, that, and the other. And I, I'm sure they had some inside knowledge working in, you know, California, Burbank and all that. I'm sure they had in, insider industry knowledge that the streaming thing was right on the you know, the, over the coming over the hill, and it was going to be it was this, right on the cusp. Yeah, yeah. So if they just hold on a little bit longer, you know, they can unload their show to all these platforms and get this huge check. So you would think that they would have the money, but but we've seen that they have like zero goodwill towards the fans, um, John and Terry. They they have no no goodwill towards any kind of unsolved mystery fan community. I mean, for years they were just doing even cheaper options through Cafe Press. I think so. This is, I guess, a step up from that because I mean the logo was embroidered in there and whatever, but like barely. Like it's not really that impressive well, yeah like for instance um, when i went to the coke museum in atlanta and i bought one of their coca-cola hats man this thing is like thick multicolored embroidery yeah. like really well made the bottom of the bill is a yeah. different color than the top of the bill it's got all these this nice is, little features this is, this is a cheap ass hat with like the strap and everything and the uh, it, it, it just the sticker residue thing just just killed just killed it for me. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like twenty seven, you're charging twenty seven dollars for this. Like, I would say you could use you could use Goo Gone to get rid of the residue, but Goo Gone itself is kind of an oily yeah thing, so that might stain like leave this oily yeah. stain. Yeah, it's not a good idea to probably put that stuff on fabric. Like if you're using it on other things, like maybe, but I shouldn't have to do that anyway. <laughs> Period. I shouldn't have to do anything like that. Like, if it was a better quality material, if it was not cheap as fuck, then you wouldn't have an issue like that. So that sucks. it's unfortunate. They do have a cool. Also, um, it's a piss poor fit too. Like, it just looks like ass. And I don't. And, and but maybe that's just the new trend. I don't like this trend anyway. The dad hat trend. It's like I don't get it. Like, why are these a thing like this this is just a awful looking fit i only wear the flat build hats yeah those, those are the only I, ones that look good on I, me I, i'm okay with dad hats and to a certain extent but not like this <laughs> like, there's hats. like they call them that it's called a dad hat <laughs> it's just funny hearing you say it i, I know, know it's it's a it's a new like fairly new trend in the past couple years or so i think some social media people or whatever started the trend and the rest is history but i it just it, it just it's a poor fit doesn't look good I, I the custom hat that i i got years ago unofficially is still way better oh yeah <laughs> I, I, just, I literally just looked this up and it's like that is a category uh lone pine dad hat custom mm-hmm. embroidered classic dad hat the dad hat these are all the mm-hmm. names the 
and they have just have like a super curved bill. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't. I I hate that style of hat. It not. Be, I prefer snapbacks or baseball caps. It just doesn't. The shape doesn't look good with my face. Like I thought, yeah. I couldn't wear hats just because of how my head shaped. But yeah. but you know, come to find out, I I they need to be flat build or my. It it just I don't know what it is. The flat bill <laughs> or a bigger hat. It just looks better on my face than the smaller kind of yeah. floppy. Anyway, yeah. So they they do have a, on their store. They do have that cool ass alien uh, unsolved mystery shirt. I want. I do want that one. I think their shirts probably would be better. I I I swear to God, if I get it, I guarantee you it'll be printed on those fucking Gildan t-shirts <laughs> that rough ass fabric that are our, our unsolved mystery or our, our podcast t-shirts. I I, got, yeah. I had them printed on Gildan. I didn't realize they would be that rough. And I was like, shit, man. Like, if I had known that, I would have went with a higher quality uh, fabric and just charged a little more. Because, uh-huh. y- you know, you want a shirt that feels good that you want to wear. You don't want to wear something that feels like cardboard against your skin, you know. And yeah. I feel like our our podcast shirts, <laughs> our first round that we had out there. That's were probably like that. how some people feel about this first part of the podcast. It yeah, rough like cardboard, cardboard on their skin. I mean, at, <laughs> yeah, at this point, I feel like we've weeded, we've literally had to have weeded out anyone who thought we just get straight to the... <laughs> By the way, um, if you've made it this far, uh, which it's what I'm about to tell you will be irrelevant, because if you made it this far, that means you like the chit-chat, but I've, I've tried to start putting time codes in the descriptions of these podcasts that tell you like the exact time you can skip to when we actually start talking about the mysteries so i should probably say that at the beginning of the podcast but um yeah uh for anyone who you know (laughs) wants to get straight to that then that's there for you we are just starting off the new year uh with our typical um usual uh errors and uh we did not leave our problems issues. in 2021. No, we didn't. <laughs> but w- were we ever going to leave our problems behind? Come on. They always, they always uh, follow you. They tag along. Um, yep. Yeah. So the uh, first case that we're going to cover on the podcast today is one that is rather familiar to uh, both of us. In fact, we both thought that we already covered this case, but apparently... That did not happen. That's happened before uh, where we handpick certain cases and then we don't get around to them. Uh, well, you know, Mike, it's, we it's wind not, up forgetting about it. It's or, not a race or actually no. it is a race. Uh, oh, it's oh, a, okay. a, a Larry race. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Cringe. Yeah. <laughs> people think my transitions are 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 bad (laughs) but anyway uh this case is actually one of the few cases that i remember vividly because i remember catching uh this on a rerun on lifetime when i was a teenager i vividly remember this case because i remember there was this guy in a boat with his wife and his wife winds up being stranded on a life raft and then she winds up dead and there's this whole question as to whether or not he killed her and so on but that's really all i remembered uh i did not remember certain aspects of this uh segment like the 
absolutely horrible acting in the reenactment. You mean uh, amazing I, acting. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, if I did, this would probably leave even more of an impression on me. But it, it left enough of an impression on me, though, because it was one of the first few cases I remember seeing. And it's a big reason why I fell in love with the show. Because I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I still think this is an interesting case. Yeah, totally. So, Lake Superior is the largest freshwater lake in the world. The water temperature hovers near freezing for most of the year. A person adrift without a life raft stands little chance of survival. On May 12, 1982, the lake claimed another victim. 33-year-old Debbie Race. Her life jacket was intact. She had not drowned. Instead, she had succumbed to the icy lake temperatures and died of hypothermia. That's got to be an uh, awful way to die. Yes. <laughs> Freezing Just to death. God. Right up there with burning to death. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Which one's worse? You know, you got to wonder. I would say burning to death because I think hyperthermia, I think after a certain point, you just shut down. If I remember correctly, you just fall asleep. Yeah, I mean, well, it does preserve your body, essentially, you know, yeah. you, you're, you're just like, um, you know, like just... I mean, it's still going to be painful, but I, I, it might be slower, though, so that's why it might be worse, because it might be a slower death. Yeah. He's burning, if you burn to death, that would be faster, probably. Hopefully. Like, hopefully. <laughs> you would hope. You would hope so. Imagine there's some poor bastard who burned and froze to death. <laughs> I, well, I just think like, about oh like I just think about like when an oil rig catches on fire and explodes, and then you have this fiery water, and like you know, Ooh. one of the wa- yeah. workers like jumps to their death. So it's like, do I do I want to drown or do I want to stick my head above this fiery water? Or like, yeah, it's one of those. Uh, They're just shit out of luck in that. Yeah, in that pretty much. God hates you at that point. So she died of hypothermia, according to the authorities. Debbie's death was no accident. In fact, according to the prosecutor, uh, this case should not have even been on Unsolved Mysteries. That's, like, yeah, this that's, guy, that's like the first time you've ever yeah. heard someone scold the producers like on camera. He's like, I don't think this was a show that's appropriate to be on Unsolved Mysteries because there's no mystery to it. Yeah, he's like, I don't think this case is a mystery. You're just like, okay, all right. <laughs> Bringing your uh, little ween energy over here, okay. Does it seem like, what did you become a prosecutor just because uh, you have a little ween and you want to have a little bit more control? Because uh, it just seemed like the guy was just really overcompensating for shit on that interview, in, in that interview. Like, he, because the way that he was carrying himself, like, a, like he's hot shit. I'm a, I'm a prosecutor. His eyes were constantly opened, like, yes! as wide as possible. And he I'm, never blinked! And I'm like, dude... I can see you have eyelids. Why the fuck are your eyes open so wide? Like the whole time. It's like, what are you are you struggling to see or are you that jacked up on whatever? <laughs> yeah, jacked up on cocaine. I mean it was the eighties, man. Yeah. Maybe that's why he was just he was so he, he's done uh, cocaine for so long, he's he's violent now, and that's why he was scolding the producers of Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> I don't even think you should have had this bitch on this show. I don't even know why I'm talking to you. 
So, according to the authorities, Debbie's death was no accident. Her husband, Larry, was accused of deliberately allowing her to freeze to death in the lake. He was subsequently convicted of murder. Yet her own parents believed that he could not have possibly harmed her. After several years and five unsuccessful post-trial reviews, Larry has one final appeal. Larry Race is a person, like, as he's interviewed, he gives off, like, to me, he gives off, like, a hardcore Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton vibe. Yeah, uh, initially, when I rewatched this segment, I was like, oh, maybe he is innocent. But then I thought about it some more. I'm like, this guy is so rehearsed. No, I don't know. The way that he's, uh, I I mean, I don't know 100% for sure. And I'll I'll share more of my thoughts later on. But it's just, there were a lot of things about that interview that just came across as very Hollywood to me. Like, he always had, like, the right pause for the right moment, hmm. and it just, it, it did kind of sound rehearsed. And when you're talking about, like, a Jimmy Carter, uh, Bill Clinton kind of thing, kind of a political uh, figure vibe, you know, where he was, like, reading a speech. Yeah, I can see your point on that front, but then again, when you've spent however many years in jail, like, perfectly rehearsing how yeah. you want it to be perceived i mean there's something to be said about that as well i mean yeah for sure he's, but he's I, definitely I had time to think about if, his story and perfect it and you know he's told the yeah. story a billion times in jail you know like so it's like he yeah. knows that he, he's got the story down to a science for sure but he did have some some vibes at times where you're kind of like you, you get a little sliver of sociopath like a little bit of that um Larry is currently serving a life sentence. Uh, at the time, he was currently serving a life sentence uh, because uh, since this broadcast, uh, I think uh, 22 years later, he was uh, released from prison. Uh, so he was serving a life sentence at the time at the Stillwater State Prison in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He maintains that the jury uh, that convicted him was prejudiced because he had a long history of adulterous relationships. And I, I, I get his point there because I could see a jury being swayed by something like that. Oh, well, he, he cheats on her and he he probably wanted to get rid of her so he could marry his new girl and take the life insurance money. You know, that kind of and thing. If there's any females in that jury, he's he's instant. He's instantly fucked on on behalf of them because, you know. Oh, this cheating fucking, you know, if the son of a bitch, if the situations were reversed, you know, if it was a woman on trial for murder and she was a cheater, if there was any men in the jury, they'd a whore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So he insists uh, what happened that night was an accident. He claimed he admits uh, to be unfaithful, but he also maintains that he had nothing to do with her death. Debbie and Larry, along with their three children, lived in Hoyt Lakes, Minnesota, 75 miles from Lake Superior. His hobbies were boating and scuba diving while she built her world around her home, her church, and her children. Over the years, their marriage suffered badly because of his four affairs. Four? God damn. God damn, man. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I wonder if that's four different women or four different times with the same Uh, other woman. I, I don't know. I don't know for sure. But but by 1982, according to Larry, they had vowed to try again. Uh, May 11th, 1982 was Larry and Debbie's 14th wedding anniversary. To celebrate, they had dinner at a Lakeview restaurant, and then they took their boat, the Jenny Lee, named after their daughters onto Lake Superior for an evening cruise. I don't understand 
this thought process. Hey, honey, to celebrate our 14th wedding anniversary, let's go out on this boat that we know doesn't work properly because a year or two ago it stopped working and we were stranded in the middle of the fucking lake. And <laughs> and this isn't like Florida water. This is like cold yeah. ass Michigan water. It, exactly. We were stranded in the middle of the lake and uh, Larry had to save uh, his kids with a raft yeah that's the boat we should go out on for sure i don't know why i didn't fix it like why would you not get that shit fixed or fixed properly i think he might have done a patch job himself but it wasn't like no i i don't under but you know some people they're like that oh i could fix it yeah oh no, no problem honey i can fix it it's fine it's fine so uh, Larry felt as if they were starting over again. He claimed that he wanted to stop cheating uh, and he felt finally had the chance to do so. I think like the reason he gave on the the segment, though, w- was kind of nuts because he's like, oh, I, I want to stop cheating. You know, I decided I want to stop cheating on her because there's nothing wrong with her. <laughs> Yeah, like, I know. He said there's nothing wrong with her. Like she's like a fucking like uh like old TV or something. Like oh, I, oh I, there's nothing wrong with this TV. It still works. Her vagina still works, and she, you know she could still like cook. And you know, ain't nothing wrong with her. Uh, I just thought that was that was kind of crazy. To yeah, be honest, it's kind of, it's kind of a crazy as way to, to why he, he would stop cheating. And just settle down finally, and be and and uh, be a responsible husband. Ah, uh, she's 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 in good shape. There's nothing wrong with her. <laughs> Acting like she's his boat. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he felt that he could appreciate Debbie and be happy with her. As darkness fell, Larry and Debbie drifted contentedly. They stayed about one mile offshore, enjoying the view of the city lights and listening to tapes of their favorite music. Okay, so I gotta ask, what kind of yacht rock do you think they're listening to? I'm picturing in my mind, no, baby, please don't go. Uh, uh, Christopher Cross. Sailing takes me away to where I always but it could be or key largo by captain and Tennille. uh yeah kokomo maybe aruba maybe. jamaica Ooh, i want that wasn't take a song you. yet i don't think. oh you're it's right you're right yeah you're right that wasn't out yet um some kenny loggins perhaps maybe um yeah the, but i i think it would be weird if they were they were playing the pina colada song <laughs> bum, ba-da, bum. Because, if you because, like peeing in coladas because that song's about adultery. Oh yeah, that's right. That would be really hilarious. That, like, that, hey, it's our song. That to me is the epitome <laughs> of like a boomer song, like that that a boomer would find comical, like like uh, hating yoga. The phrase "if you have half a brain," it's like, oh uh-huh. god. I don't mind the song, but it's because I know how uh, ac- actually how fucked up the song is. Because initially I didn't know that it was about adultery, so I was like, oh, "It's just a dumb, goofy song." But then, then when I found out it's about adultery, I'm like, "That that's pretty fucked up." 
and honestly kind of ballsy to make a a, a happy song about you because both of them were were cheating on each other that's the whole gist of the song doesn't he say at one point i was getting tired of my lover or something like that yeah yeah Yeah. hey i've I've been there i've i've had my dalliances with uh other women after getting tired with the current Mm -hmm. woman i was with and instead maybe of maybe that's what happened with Larry. Instead of doing the ballsy or the the thing that um you know you should do and break up with them or, or tell or be honest with them and at least tell them like hey by the way I'm also seeing someone else mm-hmm. uh, I, I kept it a secret so uh, that shame on me I should not have done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least you didn't take it as far to you know I wasn't married someone. I wasn't married to anyone <laughs> and I didn't murder yeah you're right I did not murder them. I did murder that pussy, though. Oh, shit. <laughs> I might have to edit that out. I might have to edit that out. Ugh. Yeah, that's... I'm sorry. I just I Yikes. saw an opportunity. I know. I, uh, that, was, that was crass, and that was, that was wrong. That was wrong, quite <laughs> frankly. I am humiliated. I'm embarrassed. And uh, if you heard that line, that means I forgot to edit it out, and I'm sorry. <laughs> So, yeah, they stayed about one mile offshore, enjoying the view of the city lights and listening to tapes of their favorite music. I wonder if it was on an 8-track as well. Oh, I'm thinking I'm thinking cassette. Cassette? I'm thinking a solid, like, yeah, yeah cassette tape. Sud- suddenly at 9 p.m., the mood was broken. She noticed that the boat was taking on water. Uh, Debbie. So Debbie noticed the boat was taking on water. Larry, what's all that water doing there? God, this acting was so awful. This is this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of the bad acting. Is her noticing the water filling up Mm -hmm. in the little back area? Like you could tell that the producers knew that this was really bad. Like they probably were not expecting the acting to be as awful as as it wound up being. And we talk about bad acting a lot. So they can't do last minute recasting. They can't do reshoots. So they're like, well, fuck, this is all we got. Uh, hey, Larry, can you uh, bullshit some more about why you're innocent? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, so we uh, could put that over this this uh, absolutely atrocious acting and posts to make it, it a was little bit more tolerable. And it was mainly by his wife, the, the woman who played his wife. Deb, yes. Deb uh, Race or whatever. Yeah, um, Debbie, yeah. Yeah, she she t- uh, as as Mike put it earlier when we were chat uh, chatting before the podcast, he's like, th- "This is some of the worst acting in in the the history of this uh, show." It is, and aside from the little Jesus loves me kid from the storm in hell, or some of those miracle segments, I would have to uh, I'd have to agree with that for sure. Like the lady was given the direction of, okay, the boat's sinking. You're afraid for your life. There's frigid temperatures all around you. Now you, we need you to freak out. And she's like, all right, here's my chance to really make my mark in Hollywood. Larry, there's water <laughs> all over the boat. Oh no, we're going to die. <laughs> uh, so uh, according to Larry, uh, Debbie began to panic. She had no faith in the boat because it had nearly sunk the summer before. Which, to be honest, <clears throat> she's got a point. Why would you have any faith? I'd be like, why are we going on this boat that's almost sunk? Right, last year? And, and again, the frigid ass like water to where if you 
Okay, so let's say this happened in, in the Florida waters. You'd be fine. You would just swim. To, mm-hmm. he, Larry could have swam her to shore in the ra- raft, and there would have been no. Pro- it would have been a, a nice little swim. It would have been relaxing. But you, you know, you're dealing with them up north waters. That satanic, almost freezing. Well, sometimes mm-hmm. below because it's salt water, so it can't really freeze, or it's got like that's a, where that's where uh, hell freezes over. <laughs> Is, is is in uh, Michigan? Those, uh, really, Michigan cold specifically. In Michigan. I'm I'm blasting. I'm I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm putting throwing well, shade I'm on Minneapolis Michigan. too. Minnesota, you know. I just feel like, I feel like just shitting on one specific up northern state. And I'm going to mm-hmm. choose Michigan for some reason. I don't know why. I don't like Georgia either, which is it, north maybe north. Maybe it's to an me. easy target. That's why Michigan. Well. Eminem came from Michigan, Kid Rock, ICP. Got a bunch of rap from Michigan. A bunch of white rap. <laughs> they definitely weren't listening to any of that, that's for sure. No, that, well, they, uh, well, no, no, none of them were, none of them had any of their, even their earliest stuff didn't come out that early. So, she's freaking out. It's it's uh, this lady's attempt to win an Emmy, and it just fails spectacularly. Uh, she had no faith in the boat because it had nearly sunk the summer before. When they pulled the cover off the engine, they noticed that water was spraying all over the place, which equals more panic from uh, the actress. I don't know what it is, but that line, she had no faith in the boat. The, that line does something to me for some reason. Like, it's it's just a funny phrase for some reason. Like, well, gee, how do you think that made the boat feel? Maybe that's why it sank on your ass, because you had no faith in it. Even boats uh, need to be talked to kindly. You know, they did an experiment a while back, like that plant experiment. If you talk nice to plants, then they'll grow better, and that's been scientifically proven. They did that experiment with boats, too. It's a figure of speech. And turns out the boats float better when you speak kindly to them. So if you're going around saying, I have no fucking faith in you, you fucking boat, then yeah, it's more likely to cause problems. And that's what she did. So that her death was her own fault. It was a, a negligent suicide, accidental negligent suicide. People think my attempts to to for humor sometimes are bad. Like I I, I don't know what that was about. Mike, sometimes we have. Remember last episode we did when we stretched and I was talking about how the guy was gay and that's why he killed his sister. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to find. I got to get down to the solution. And I'm looking for solutions here. Uh, I think she insulted the boat, and the boat bit back. Came back with a vengeance. Icy cold vengeance. I'm done. So, yeah, she uh, didn't have any faith in the boat because it almost sunk uh, uh, the summer before. The the engine uh, shut down. Uh, Larry then took the alternator, he loosened up the bolt, he dropped the alternator. As soon as it dropped, the engine shut down and the water leaking stopped. According to Larry, at that point, things were under control. They worked together to fix the boat and stop the water. All she did was hold the flashlight. Yeah, but once they finished their repairs, Debbie went to start the engine. She was unsuccessful. He tried uh, to also start the engine, but he was also unable to get it to start. And uh, according to Larry, he said when they heard a gushing and whooshing noise from the bottom of the boat, they both panicked. Although Larry didn't panic near nearly as much as as Debbie. 
Can I point out the the, the mild sexism that happened uh, with the the boat starting thing? Uh, Larry was all like, you know, my wife tried to start the boat, but she couldn't get started. So I was like, hey, you stupid bitch, move aside. Let a man try to start the boat. And I wasn't able to get it to start either. I thought that was kind of sexist. <laughs> Except he never said that. Uh, he didn't say and in so many words. You know, he didn't say those exact things. But, you know, Dude, can you imagine that getting past the censors <laughs> live on Unsolved Mysteries? That would almost be like Robert Stack in basketball when uh, he did his whole like. Uh, uh-huh. I, that was that was unsettling seeing Robert Stack break character that much. <laughs> that was one of the best things about that movie, though. Yeah, easily. So they both panicked. She told him that she wanted to get off the boat against his better judgment. He agreed because he does this a lot with his story, like "Oh, uh, against my better judgment," or oh, "I wasn't thinking clearly." I shouldn't have done this. That's all. Which, that's all parole talk. He's only he's only yeah. saying shit like that for the parole board when he when he comes up for parole. They, they can look at that tape and be like, "Oh, look at him acknowledging and taking responsibility for his actions." Yeah, it, but it just comes. That's those are the parts that come across iffy to me. Is like when he's like over explaining things and just being like, "Oh well, I panicked," blah blah blah, or whatever. And I I, I don't know. Those are the things that make me question uh, whether or not he is innocent. So the first thing that they did uh, was get out of the life raft to get it blown up. They had a scuba tank on board for that purpose. However, because there were holes in one of the rafts, they were unable to use it. According to Larry, he tossed it aside and got out the second raft. They filled that one up the same way they did the first one. The second one inflated successfully. He then had Debbie get into it. She put her purse and other valuables as well as his shoes into a gear bag. She took the bag and scuba tank with her into the raft. Larry had his dry suit and scuba tanks on board. He was a strong swimmer and he thought he could tow Debbie in the raft to safety. He did the same thing with his daughters when the boat ran into trouble the summer before. Which is the reason why I don't understand why let's go out on the boat, honey, for our anniversary. Knowing how fucked up it is. And almost drowned. Not checking not checking the safety rafts, not checking the conditions of those, you know. Which that also makes people suspicious <laughs> as well. Like you, like why would you choose to do that willingly when you know that things aren't necessarily one hundred percent in working order? And again, like, I could look past a lot of this. If the waters weren't like frigid enough to where if you were in there longer than five minutes, you're dead. Yeah. You know, I could see I could see not being as cautious if these were like warmer waters where eh, even if it does in the fucking Bahamas. Yeah. Even (laughs) if it does sink, it's not really the end of the world, you know, like. Yeah. So after pushing Debbie in the raft for several minutes, he got tired and cold. He tried to get into the raft with her, but it began to fill up with water and she began to panic. No, water's coming in. No, you can't. That was one of her precious uh, golden the, moments. The one that ki- absolutely killed me is when the actress wasn't even saying anything. She's just acting panicked. And there and there's no words. It, it was just so bad. Where she's just like... Ah! Oh, yeah. Ah! Ah! yeah. Honestly, it, it kind of makes you root, uh, root for the water. <laughs> <laughs> You're not really rooting for her anymore. It's like, okay, this bitch is annoying. She is annoying me. Uh, I can see why he cheated on her four times. Oh <laughs> that was, a, that, Lord, I apologize. That was awful. 
God. <laughs> I've gone unhinged. <laughs> but yeah, just awful. Awful acting. What if she made those noises during sex, too? Oh, no! Larry! No! <laughs> ah, ah, ah! <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> you like how this is slowly turning into the Howard Stern show <laughs> it's always been that way yeah. hasn't it we've been we've been you know we've been pretty randy in the past that's true so he tried to get into the raft with her uh, but it began to fill up with water and she began to panic so he decided nope not doing that uh, he looked off to the right and he saw lights coming towards them since they were closer than the shore he decided to swim towards them uh he explained it as i i wasn't thinking clearly uh you know uh, i i just decided uh, in the spur of the moment to go towards these lights uh, one of us was going to get to shore uh it, it, the way that he explained that it just it was kind of confusing to me and i was like what is your motivation again i'm going to swim to the lights and get help but you know that your wife's in the situation where the raft is, you know, probably not the best thing in the world, and she's really far out there for sure. The chances of her making it safely are probably not very good without your guidance. So, and depending on how far away the lights are, you know, she could already be dead by the time you get back. So. I still don't quite get how, like, it never really, it doesn't really disclose how far he got away from the boat, but, like, I don't really get how he didn't know that that, he couldn't tell that wasn't his own boat. Yeah, that too. Like. Yeah. Well, he's trying to explain it, like, oh, I I was, uh, I wasn't able to think clearly because of the cold water and blah, blah, blah. And, like, yeah, there is, there, there is a little bit of a point that you can make with with that kind of stuff, you know, it can put you in shock, it could cause you not to think 100% clearly, but it, it still is is a stretch, though, to me, in terms of, like, how, how it would be so cold and the stress would just make it so crazy in terms of the situation that you would not know that that's your boat. Right. Also, he left the light on. So, it's almost, Which, almost like he knew. Well, no, I mean the the engine. It was engine failure. So how was the light on? Unless it magically over time, maybe it. Uh, well, the the engine didn't fail. Remember, it just wouldn't start. So it just had an intermittent. It had some intermittent issue or whatever. And maybe the light is a different. Like it's attached to a different power. Maybe source. a battery or something. I don't battery. Know. Uh, but he has a light for it, but doesn't have a radio. Like he didn't invest in a CB radio. So, so if the situation happened again, where they were trapped in the middle of the fucking water, he'd be like, Hey, can I get some help? Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of safety oversights on this guy's part. For sure. For sure. Maybe they were intentional. Oh, but he definitely he definitely didn't oversights. forget to bring the uh, case of uh, fucking Yacht Rock cassettes. He def- yeah. definitely didn't forget his Christopher Cross and his Chicago and his Peter Cetera, his Kenny Loggins. 
uh, is Karl Marx or Peter Marx or whatever his name Karl is. Karl Marx. The, yeah, yeah. He brought he brought some yacht rock and he bought a copy of the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx. Yeah, that, that's right. You heard me right. Yeah, he was a communist and he liked yacht rock and there, there, there was a lot of layers to this guy, Larry. Uh, so uh, he decided to swim towards the lights. The light Larry had seen was his own boat. Uh, this time the engine did start. Magically. Oh, okay. oh, now it starts. Oh, wow. After catching his breath, he searched for Debbie, all the while firing his distress flares. Why didn't you fire those earlier? Yeah. That's the other thing, too. And also, Mike, do you think maybe the boat started this time because someone was on the boat who actually had faith in it? <laughs> Unlike the bitch who had no faith in the boat? I don't know why you're really. Don't you think the boat to... could tell the difference? Oh wow! All of a sudden, there's no negative energy on my boat now, screaming at me. I will start now. Uh, oh my god! I, I you reminded me of that that uh, in joke in Poltergeist Two, where Taylor, the Indian uh, medicine man, is talking about how the truck, the the car that uh, um, the the husband of 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 the family, the Freeling family, is driving around. is angry. The car is angry. That that whole statement you just made was an inside joke because I have no idea what the fuck you're talking I about. I know. Uh, it's anyone out there seen Poltergeist two? Uh, that's for you. All ten of you but, chime in. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, the boat started. He fired off a flare. In the end, at around 2 a.m., he returned to shore and notified the Coast Guard. They conducted a grid search of the lake to no avail. The next afternoon, a teenager on his way home from school saw Debbie's body on the lake shore. Wow, what a, what a, what a great way to, to, to start the afternoon off. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm going to go home. Going to look at my dad's porno mags under his bed. Going to have a little, quick little tug. Going to eat a peanut butter and fluff sandwich. Oh my god, a dead body! I'm gonna poke it with a stick. Because that's what you do when you find a dead body when you're a kid. A few months later, Larry was charged with murder. At Larry's trial, his attorneys advised him not to take the stand on his own behalf. After he was convicted, he hired a new team of lawyers, insisting that he had been the victim of an incompetent counsel. He believes that if he had testified, the jury would not have found him guilty. Which is a typical kind of thing a sociopath would do. Like, oh, I if I testified, I would have been able to convince them of my innocence. No, I don't think that was a sociopathic move. Uh, I think that was <sighs> well. At least, it, at least it's a cocky move. No, the only fa- sure. the only facts they had on this guy was that he was a philanderer. Well, so, yeah. So if they actually got to know him as a human being rather than just a sex like a horn dog. And that's, I think, what he would have gained yeah. by actually t- testifying on the stand. So so but, he could humanize himself. Yeah. I think that's what he meant by that. I don't think it was like, a, you know, I'm, so, I'm such a great orator that these people will have to be convinced of my innocence. Well, I think, there, I think there's a, a bit of both. I think there, there's some of that, too, where he can be like, oh, I can show you that I'm more than just this adulterer or whatever. But then So I think you're, saying, also- you're saying that he wants to use the same charm that he used to get those four women in bed on the jury. Yeah. 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 Hey, if I can get them women in bed, then I can get these juries in bed with me, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So uh, he was a regular leisure, leisure shoot Larry 
<laughs> or a, stro- so, a strokey mic talker. <laughs> I know, and had a stroke there. Uh, it, 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 that's a that's a word that's like a tongue tie for me though. Leisure, leisure suit, Larry. Yeah. So the prosecuting attorney at Larry's trial was Don DeSanto of Duluth, Minnesota. Even though the case against Larry was circumstantial, uh, DeSanto was able to convince a jury that Larry had the opportunity, the means, and the motive to murder Debbie. And this is the guy with the bug eyes. The man with the widest eyeballs this side of Texas. (laughs) Yep. He was absolutely no... He was... uh, Just fucking wiki... Wikia. Goddamn... He he had absolutely no doubt that Larry was guilty of first-degree murder. He believes that the evidence showed that Larry wanted out of his unhappy marriage. According to one mistress, their affair lasted up to the weekend before Debbie's death. Damn. So uh, he he's a liar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh I, uh, I I I I wanted to be with her. We were starting over. There was nothing wrong with her. Well, apparently there was something wrong with her. Yeah, she had no faith in boats. That's my biggest problem with her. Jesus. Of all the things, they continued to beat and beat that joke. That's a big deal. (laughs) So according to one mistress, uh, their affair lasted uh, the weekend, up to the weekend before uh, her death. According to two other mistresses, Larry did not like Debbie's weight, housekeeping, and spending habits. (laughs) There was a lot wrong with Debbie. Larry, I thought she was perfectly fine. Which is it? (laughs) After her death, he contacted them and told them to tell the police that they were just friends. Oh, see, he's he's trying to bury his fucking tracks. He also noted that Larry had $108,000 of life insurance in place on Debbie that he had purchased seven months prior to her death through credit life insurance. Although, according to David Larson, uh, Larry's appellate attorney, part of the life insurance, about 37000 was a mortgage insurance that came along with a mortgage on his house. The rest of it came as part of a group policy from his credit union. There was some testimony that indicated that Debbie was the one to seek out the additional insurance coverage, which makes sense. Also, this was set up seven months prior. It's not a month prior. So I, I don't understand how that that really play comes into play for like the typical, oh, we bumped her off so we could get the life insurance. It was like seven months ago. I don't know. Maybe he's smarter than the average bear and he knew knew that would look too suspicious. Oh, maybe. Good point. I mean, if things went down how the prosecutor is about to say they went down, this guy definitely, you know, he definitely did. He almost got away with it, you know, but he fucked up in a few key areas that they found Mm -hmm. out about. So Larry's defense was built around his story of mechanical problems on the boat. The prosecution claimed that he had concocted the entire episode. Friends who had been on the boat a few days before Debbie's death said that there were no problems with it. When officers went on to the boat the day after Debbie's death, they found no evidence that it was in danger of sinking. Its bilge pump was functional enough to have pumped out any water on it. That's a big red flag. I don't think they mentioned that in the in the segment if I remember correctly. They have I'll tell you when you I'll tell you when they get to the biggest red flag that that made that makes me think that he actually did it when okay. when you get to it. But I, that's that's a that's a pretty decent one, pretty considerable one for me because if it was functional enough to pump out any out any of the water, 
then it it was it was in good enough shape to be able to handle that situation. After Larry's trial, the boat was sold. In May of 1984, an independent mechanic examined the starter. He said it was worn and that it could cause an intermittent starting failure. On some occasions, it would cause the engine not to start. At one of Larry's post-conviction hearings, the mechanic testified about the starter problem. DeSanto pointed out that the mechanic could not say the problem was definitively present on the boat on the night of Debbie's death. As a result, the testimony was ruled irrelevant in both the trial and the appellate courts. Uh, This one... I I don't know how the mechanic could say definitively that it was a problem that was present on the boat because it's an intermittent starting failure. Like, how can you def- definitively say that was an issue when it's intermittent? Aren't, like, detectives always using phrases like, oh, your story doesn't add up, the details of your story don't add up? Well, in this case... The sto- the details add up to the boat having that problem because he, yeah. he said it had yeah. that problem. They went and they tested the boat two years later. It still had that problem. They they couldn't say uh, with 100% certainty that it happened on that night just based on his word. But don't those two details match up that he would just somehow say that it had this starting problem and then it come to find out actually does have that problem two years later i would say that that's a hard you know hard thing to just make up or bs about and then you know it would be easily provable to be wrong if it didn't have that problem so i don't know i i would have given him the benefit of the doubt on that one i know benefit of the doubt isn't a legal uh thing that you can do in the courtroom but i would have I would have well, taken yeah, I that agree. As I, I, evidence I, I for agree. him. I, I I don't agree with the prosecutor's opinion on that particular part of this case because I just feel that, like, w- what's your problem, dude? Like, is this is this an ego thing? Like, I cannot give him anything. He was guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> uh, Larry is adamant uh, that he had two life rafts aboard the boat. Uh, however, according to DeSanto, the evidence showed that there was only one raft in the boat that night. All of Larry's diving companions and friends that testified at the trial said they had never seen him in possession of two blue and yellow rafts, as he claims. Also, the search and rescue personnel from the Coast Guard said that if the second raft had existed, they would have found it. However, his brother and two daughters testified that he did have two rafts. For reasons unknown, they did not tell anyone about this until shortly before the trial. At the trial, Sheriff's deputy also testified that Larry had told him about where the two uh, life rafts uh, were on board. And according to the deputy, Larry specifically said, what about rafts? I have two. The conversation apparently happened two weeks before Debbie's death. But according to the prosecution, the deputy's testimony was inconsistent. He was first questioned 11 days after her death, and he said that he knew nothing about two rafts. Um, that one... That easily could be a case where he did have two rafts. It's just he bought them later. Like he did, he didn't have them at the time that his diving companions and friends were with him on the boat, but he had them later. Yeah, and at this point, if you're just going off of those things, it's like, man, they're That's just they're really doing a, a snow splitting hairs. They're really like trying to do a snow job to this Larry guy, but um, yeah. The the details that come later on kind of make me go, okay, Mr. Larry uh-huh. Race. Okay, Mr. Yeah. Larry Race. 
So the prosecution claims that Larry pushed Debbie in the raft well away from the boat. He then returned to the boat and donned his scuba equipment. They say he swam back under the raft and slashed it with a knife, leaving her to freeze to death in the icy waters. This part to me, it, it seems honestly something out of like a fantasy or like a, like a fiction novel to me. Like I'm just imagining like it's, it's pitch black. It's, really dark outside i guess he was a he he did a lot of diving he swam a lot but i'm just thinking like isn't this something where he would have had to been like really really on the money in terms of knowing exactly where the raft is going to be doing all of this and swim underneath and so she doesn't see him and then get the knife and cut the it just it just seems a little and this was the detail that made me think that he did kill her. The the, the one where he where he swam under the raft. Yes. And, because okay. when they examined the raft, the prosecutor whose eyes are open way too wide, he he was saying he was talking about how the the uh, craft was inflated with air. We know this because. If it had been deflated, there would have been a corresponding stab mark through the upper part of the raft as well as the lower part of the raft. But there was only a stab mark through the lower part of the raft and not and and both air chambers were slashed, not just one. And he was saying that this this isn't like a vandalism where someone's just trying to damage property. Mm-hmm. This was a calculated move to yeah. sink this raft. And but that is kind of hard to argue your way out of. Possibly. Um, speaking of calculated moves, the prosecution does that a lot, as we all know uh, from our, our coverage of the West Memphis 3 case with the whole, oh, the this this knife that we found in the lake, uh, this this is the one that made these cut marks that did all this. Like they can really be very persuasive in terms of their view of the facts and and what's available. I will say they never um, they never found the actual knife. They never found the knife on the boat. That's, they found a knife, but it it would the knife that they yeah. found was not. It could not no. have made those kind of stab marks. See that that's the thing for me. Like I I, I agree that there is potential. There is a definite possibility that Larry did it. Like he might have done it. But based on the evidence that's available, like there's nothing concrete. There's nothing that's really set in stone enough to the point where I'm like, yeah, I would. I, he did it. He deserved to go to jail. He deserved to be sentenced for murder. If Larry didn't it, do that, someone else did. But I believe that's how it happened because that is just yeah. I mean, they th- they found it that way. They didn't speculate that it, it was that way. They saw, they got the raft. They saw the yeah. stab marks. It's true. It that- could have happened. It also could have possibly happened before. Like, he could have, like, pre-cut things. And then, you know, the raft was it already had the, the holes or the stuff set up in it. Um. Uh, well, see, I think, I think, I think it would have taken on water a lot sooner if that had been the case, possibly. But that she was able to go all the way out there. Yeah, I just, it just seems like there's just a lot that he would have to do. I mean, in the middle of the night, get the scuba gear, 
there's probably next to no visibility at that point. It's pitch and then black also, dark is there underwater. Any, is, is there any? Know? Is is there? Any, but he's a strong swimmer though, and he knows his his gear. Uh, is, he is, but he can't see. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's possible though. I still think the the lights of the city lighting the water. You know, I don't. Know, I don't know if or it's maybe pitch- he had his own light. Maybe he had his own uh, light that he had attached to his his gear or something. But did they ever do like go into like, you know? Uh, uh, did, did he intend that night to go out knowing that there would be pre-planned engine failures just so he could kill his wife or, or, you know, that's, or was it just a spur of the that's moment? some opportunism to the max right there. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I wasn't going to kill her, but shit, now's the perfect time. The engines failed and we're out in the, and you know, like, you know, it seems a little convenient, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. It's like, and how do you, how does one make the engine fail that? I don't know. It just, I didn't really think about that until just now, actually. Like, he would have, every, like, everything would have had to have gone exactly correct for, for him to be this murderer guy. Yeah. I mean, the engine would have had to have failed. Uh, he would have he would have had to have been able to patch the boat up just enough to where he didn't get fucked as well. Uh, the first raft happened to not work. You know, every it's like everything happened a little too perfectly for this diet for this guy who's supposedly this diabolical murderer. But I will say though, that raft thing is what keeps getting me. The stab marks in both yeah, air chambers. And I, and, I, and I get it. I get it. Like that. I, I understand that. Like that does make me pause as well. And it, it, both those air chambers are definitely two big red flags, but a lot of it's still very circumstantial. So the prosecution failed to produce the knife that was supposedly used to cut the raft. The puncture marks did not match the only knife ever found on, on board the boat. However, it was noted that Larry owned two diver knives and neither was ever found. Uh, and th- that happens sometimes, too. Like he-, he owned these knives and never found them, but it's still very circumstantial. Like, uh, So what? They could still be somewhere and you just might not have used them for the crime. Uh, a diver knife was believed to have used... Uh, yeah, uh-huh. The prosecution asserts that once uh, Debbie had been set adrift... Larry dragged the raft back to the boat so he would have support for his story about attempting to inflate a first raft. Interestingly, water was found inside the raft, even though he initially claimed it was never in the water. That's the one to me, because there are chambers. That's another one. But when I read that, that's the one where I'm like, okay, all right. And then he changed his story afterwards. So he changed his story. Then he said he tossed it overboard when he was told about the water in the raft. And that was something that I don't think was mentioned on on the segment, but it was mentioned in 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 uh, message uh, boards and and I think in the actual case, uh, the caps on both air chambers were securely closed, even though he said he had never done that and said toss it aside when it would not inflate. Uh, according to underwater expert uh, John Abenuo, the actions the prosecution says Larry did that night would have required superhuman effort and were not physically possible. So see, that's the other thing. That that I point to is, is it, he tend he seems like a guy who knows what it takes to do a lot of stuff underwater, and it would have required a superhuman effort. And I I do I think it just sounds like a 
a planned stunt. You know, it sounds like something that was a stunt for for a movie or something. Like it just seems like there's so many things that had to have fallen into place, like just right for him to swim under the raft and cut the. It just it just seems kind of uh, um, absurd. I would say if I was in the jury. I wouldn't say that he was innocent, but I would say that there's enough reasonable doubt to not convict. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like when it comes to murder and when it honestly, when it comes to any crime to me, if you're in a jury, like you were supposed to only convict based on whether or not there's, you know, is a reasonable doubt. If there's a reasonable doubt, then don't convict. Now I think, for the rest of his life, you know, he should be leered at. He should be whispers should be, you know, done behind his back. Like, Oh, there's a guy who might've killed his wife. I think he should have to live with that, Mm -hmm. but maybe not be in, in prison. Yeah. Like almost like the OJ thing. Like, yeah, like he already went to jail, but I I would think in this case, when OJ's case though, it's, there's a lot more. Well, yeah, but, but like OJ, uh, was, was, uh, he, what he was acquitted, but he, he, the whole, until he went to jail again for something unrelated, Mm -hmm. the whole rest of his time out of prison. Oh man, he was a pariah. Like no one, like the only people who wanted to have anything to do with AJ or OJ were people who either wanted ratings for their TV show mm-hmm. or they were just a star fucker and they thought he could do no wrong. Yeah. But everyone else, they just thought he was a murderer. Yeah. So this underwater expert, he says it would have taken superhuman effort for uh, Larry to do that. Uh, witnesses placed the boat near the mouth of the Talmadge River at 8.30 and then again at 9.30 p.m., uh, Debbie's body was found seven miles away. According to Abinell, would have been impossible for a body to drift that far without a raft. According to him, if she had been in the water in a park or in life fest, she would only have been able to travel one to two miles before coming on shore. He believes that she only could have traveled seven miles on a raft. DeSanto, however, pointed out that they do not know where the boat was on the lake when she got out of it. Therefore, there would be no way of knowing how far her body actually traveled, leaving the boat to reaching the shore. He does not believe that Abino's uh, theory is credible as a result. Like that bit was like, that was like a, like a petty uh, little uh, series of barbs between the two. Like, like this guy, oh, that guy, yeah, yeah uh, underwater expert. We don't know uh, where the boat was on the lake when she got out of it. So it was almost like. I'll show you who's the real expert here. Well, the, the prosecutor, <laughs> just in general, Mister Wide Eyes, he 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 was kind of cunty the whole time. Like he <laughs> he came off a little bit cunty. Like I will say that about him. <laughs> but I mean that whole bit there, I'm like, 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 yeah, you don't know, but that doesn't mean that that's not credible. I mean, at all. Like you, you it's one of those things. It's like you're not always going to know where the boat, like how are you going to know where the boat was exactly where the boat was on the lake anyway? With that being said, they really need to find that second raft. <laughs> like They're probably not, not going to, if, 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 if the body couldn't get there, unless there was a raft, they really need to find that fucking raft because, uh, you know, that, that's, that would really, that would literally like make, well, I mean, it's just such an old case; it doesn't matter anymore. But I think they found they found one raft. They just didn't find the second one. Well, the, they didn't find the for the first one that he right. Threw, well, the the, threw the, out. the first one was the supposed dummy one that didn't work. Mm-hmm. 
But the prosecutors believe that's the one that she was in, that he stabbed and then yoinked back. What, the dummy one? Oh, okay. Yeah. To, hmm. to, to make, you know, because he said oh, there were there two. there was no second raft. Yeah, that's their, their theory, that there was no second raft. But they did find the raft. They found a raft. Yeah, so the, the prosecutor's first, theory. The, the ra- yeah, the raft they found, the prosecutors say, is the one that she, they said there was no second raft. The, there was only one raft. It did work. That was the one mm-hmm. she was in. Then got the, then uh, Larry went and stabbed the raft, yeah. yoinked it away from her, and yeah. took it back to the boat and said that that was in actuality the first raft that didn't work, and the second oh. raft is somewhere out there yet to be discovered. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what the, all the raft business is about. So, uh, also according to Larry's attorneys, the skin lividity in Debbie's body also proves that she came ashore in a life raft. Her blood had not sunk to her feet. They claim it would have done so if she'd been kept afloat in an upright position in a life life vest. DeSanto notices, uh, he notes that according to the autopsy report, the lividity of her blood was to the back, which was consistent with her floating in the water with a life vest and no raft. According to an expert at trial, the vest would have kept her basically face up on her back as she floated a lot following her death her body was found face up on her back on the lake shore later which would continue to move the lividity to her back after hearing all the evidence but without hearing from larry himself a jury of four men and eight women found him guilty of murder larry's daughters could not believe that he was guilty they noted that there was no concrete evidence to prove his guilt they believed that he was convicted because of the affairs is it normal for a jury to be that unequal in terms of the gender? Yeah, that I think seems, so. That seems pretty unequal, right? Wouldn't it make more sense that, like... What was a division? Like, four men and eight women? Yeah. Oh, eight women. Oh, yeah, you're fucked, buddy. Yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> I feel like any lawyer taking on that case, like, knowing that prior history and then seeing that jury pool, any lawyer... It's sec, you know, call it sexism or whatever you want to call it, but it's just it's just true. They're gonna they're gonna be biased. Here's a guy I mean, who, who's cheating on his wife four yeah. times, and now she's dead. And there's a little bit of holes in his story, but that doesn't matter at this point. It's like they're they just they just think this guy's a bastard. I think some of them might have felt that way because I do believe in the idea of of genuinely impartial or unbiased uh, jurors when it comes to either gender. But I, I do buy, I do believe in the idea that maybe some of them were, were swayed in, in that direction for sure. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying if you flip the script and the, 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 the Larry was dead, the wife's alive. And then she cheated on him four times in the marriage with four different dudes. And it was a jury of eight men and four women. Those men are going to be like, this is a black widow. She wanted him dead. She wanted that money. Guilty. Case closed. Well, I would say that it would be a similar situation where some people would feel that way. Uh, whether it, it was um, a, ju- a jury of men in that instance. But anyway... Uh, Fucking Mike, either- the, 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 the constant diplomat. <laughs> anyway, uh, this case was unresolved. Uh, on the night of the broadcast, a witness called the telecenter and said that she and her sister had found a life raft on Lake Superior in May of 1983, one year after Debbie's death. 
They believed that it was the same type that Larry had used that night. The raft has since been lost. The information was forwarded to his attorneys. Witnesses testified for his 1993 appeal. However, the testimony was inconsistent. In some instances, they claimed they found it. It was found in 1982. Uh, in others, they could not be certain when it was found. Uh, so they said it was found in 83. In others, they could not be certain when it was found. Uh, certain details in their story suggested that they did not actually find it until 1992, which would be pretty insane. <laughs> I guess that a uh, raft was stuck in an alternate dimension for a little bit until it popped back out <laughs> in 1992, if that was the case. Uh, furthermore, they sometimes changed the location of where it was found from Lake Superior to a nearby river. As a result, their testimony was dismissed by the appellate court. In May 2005, after all possible appeals were exhausted unsuccessfully, Larry was released on parole. Uh, he was he had served uh, 22 years of his life sentence, and he is he and his children continue to maintain his innocence. And this was also one of those cases too, where the the family of uh, his wife thought that he was innocent too. Yep, which is definitely uh, very different from the norm when it comes to cases like this that are featured on the show. I know this was a long one, but it was a long segment. It was around 20 minutes. If I remember correctly. Yeah. It was worth the watch though. I mean, yeah, if, if not, if only for uh, the screams of Larry's wife, <laughs> Larry! Ah! Oh, no! I got, I'm going gl- to blow my voice out before karaoke. I can't be doing that. My beautiful <laughs> no. voice. no, all right, definitely gonna need that for for karaoke. So now we're gonna have to move on and probably breeze you, breeze through this next yeah. one because I'm uh, running low on charm here, but still gonna do my breast. Um, but uh, just one little thing, like real quick, do you think he did it? it it's like I told you, I, I if yeah. I was in the if I was in the jury, I would be like uh, I would I would find him in, in, innocent because there's enough reasonable doubt. Um, yeah. Now I feel yeah. like, like I said, I feel like he's. He at least deserves the rest of his life with the reputation of this guy's sketchy and he might have done something fucked up to his wife. He might have killed his wife. And he has to yeah. have, he, that's his uh, hair shirt that he's going to have to wear for the mm. rest of his life. I've been waiting a long time to use the word hair shirt. Um, and I'm glad I was able to use it just now. And if you don't know what it means, go look it up. <laughs> Because I don't know. I've never heard that. It's basically like, you know, you're you're walking through the town with like the scarlet letter, you know, the sign around your neck that says, you know, I killed my wife, but you're not actually imprisoned or anything. It's it's, it's like almost like a a crime of shaming you rather than actually like, you know, you doing time. So it's about as shameful as like a shirt made out of hair. Is that is that what I don't know where that term came from, but that's just what it means. Huh? There's an R.E.M. song called Hair Shirt, too, which is a good song. Oh. Oh, you know what time it is. I'm tired of talking about it, and quite frankly, you're tired of hearing about it. Dancing with Ghosts is the name of my band. Our music is really good. That's all you need to know. You can stream us on Spotify or anywhere you listen to music, YouTube, wherever. We are here for you. Thank you.
All right, scooting right, right along to the case of Glenn Consagra. It's a weird. And this was on one of the specials. Uh, actually, it was special number three. With, oh, for Carl, Carl Malden his big ass bell pepper nose. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, that thing is like just like looks like you could use it as a foundation to like hammer something like a like a uh, like a temper a sword or something. You could use Carl <laughs> Malden's nose. <laughs> To like beat the, the sword with the hammer. It was the very definition of bulbous. Yes, yes, that is a very bulbous nose. Um, probably we, we we didn't get this special and high definition, but if we did, you could probably see the little red gin blossoms on the <laughs> tip of that bulbous nose of his from one too many hot toddies. Yeah. Uh, this was a pretty good segment. I would say the only thing missing was Stack's presence. Yeah. Malden is fine, but he's no Robert Quite Stack. frankly, I've, I'm feeling a little cuckolded watching this Carl Malden segment because it's got all the Unsolved Mysteries music yes. and, and and logos and graphics. And cinematography. Cinematography. Yeah. And then you got this this guy, this grandfather mm-hmm. who drinks too much, is is talking <laughs> to us instead of uh, the holy patrons, patron saint Robert Stack who has never done anything wrong in his entire life. <laughs> so anyway, you got this guy, Glenn, and I don't know about this guy. I really don't know. I don't know about Glenn. On the night of April 16th, 1978, 10 years before I was born, Glenn Consagra and his two best friends, Freddie Duberly and Mary Lou Holmes, went by boat. Man, fucking boats, dude. Mm-hmm. This is like the attack of the boats. Went by boats to Honeymoon, Honeymoon Island near Clearwater, Florida to party. Clearwater is also the uh, flag land base for Scientology headquarters. The main, the main hub, the mecca of Scientology is in Clearwater. Anyway. So they went to party on this island, like in the, in the middle of, what, the ocean? Isn't it, isn't it technically in the middle of the ocean? I'm not sure. Or is it in the middle of a lake or river or something? I don't understand. Like, oh, yeah, let's go party and and essentially camp in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, I don't I don't understand that logic. I don't know. I mean, I don't really... That's not really my thing either, but some people like that shit. Um, I have a few friends of mine I know who like that kind of stuff. I'm far too nerdy and indoorsy. Paranoid. <laughs> no, not even really paranoid, just kind of like, eh, not really for me. So anyway, um, at some point in the night, Freddie and Mary Lou are shot dead. Glenn is charged with two counts of murder, but pleads guilty to avoid the death penalty. Now he claims he is innocent. Interestingly, a private guest investigator and a special task force from the public defender's office back up his story. According to Glenn, the three went to the island to celebrate the birth of his grandchild, he claims that while on their way to the island, their boat broke down. However, they, they were still able to reach a land on a nearby spoil bank at 10 p.m. I've become well acquainted with the term spoil bank now. They use it enough times in this, in this segment. The spoil bank was about halfway to their intended destination. They decided to stay, build a campfire, and continue to partay. According to Glenn, at some point during the night, the couple started arguing, and it like he's like being interviewed, and he's like, it just killed my vibes, man. You know, I was harsh in my mellow, so 
I went to take a nap, sleep off the tequila hangover. He uh, took his nap behind a bait tank. Whatever the fuck that is. A few hours later, he heard sounds of gunshots next to him. He knew something was wrong as they did not bring weapons with them. He waited a few minutes, or more than that, according to him, until he heard the sound of a boat leaving. He then discovered that the campsite was in disarray and someone had tried to sink their boat. Freddie and Mary Lou were nowhere to be found. Fearing for his safety, Glenn used a styrofoam lid as a flotation device and swam back to land. You this see, you this see, is fucking nuts. You see, people, you see what happens when you fuck around in Florida. You can have a nice, safe, comfortable swim uh, back to shore, and all you need is the top of a fucking beer cooler. I know. This was in April, so the water was probably pretty fucking cold, but cold to Floridians is like 60 degrees, so... It's like, you're not fucking doing that in Michigan. You're not taking a beer koozie lid and swimming back to land. Yep, that's why Florida rocks, and uh, Michigan sucks. Uh, (laughs) Either way, though, like, it was one ridiculous swim for this guy. Like, goddamn. It's a mile. It was probably... It's probably still hung over swimming <laughs> a mile. I mean, that's not too crazy. Like there have been marathon swimmers who have swam more than that miles. I mean, uh, but I'm pretty sure his conditioning is not the same as a marathon swimmer. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not out of the question that someone would be able to make that swim. No, but I, I, I probably would find I would, that would never have happened. <laughs> I'm not in good enough shape. It, it, it just, it just would have been an instance where I'd be stuck on that. island. <laughs> Just wait. Hope people... <laughs> you, you, you fucking turn that lid into your version of Wilson from Castaway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're just, you're just doing your YouTube reviews, but talking to the lid. And you're like, another problem with the Ghostbusters of 2016? There were no jokes! The whole time, there were no jokes! You have this fucking long beard. Um, so at dawn, he arrived back at the dock that they had left from hours earlier. For some reason, he decided to invent a story about what happened at the spoil bank. He said that Freddie and Mary Lou had taken the boat to buy beer and never returned. He did not mention anything about the gunshots. He claimed he was afraid that the killers would find and kill him if they knew he was a witness. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, Glenn. I don't know about that. Three days later, the Coast Guard found Freddie and Mary Lou's bodies. They were naked and tied to a boat engine and anchor. Damn. Freddie had been shot twice with a twenty-two caliber weapon, while Mary Lou had been shot twice with a shotgun. Damn. Uh, Glenn had been seen with a shotgun and a twenty-two in the days before the murders. Investigators discovered that Glenn and Mary Lou had an apparent sexual relationship. They also discovered that Freddie was supposed to pay Glenn for a car he had bought for him, but he never did. When talking to a witness about Freddie, Glenn reported that, I'll take care of him. Um, Here's the thing. I don't understand, like, oh, I'm going to still hang out with this guy who bought a car from me, but has never paid me back for it. (laughs) Like, wasn't that kind of a shitty friend? Like, I don't know. Like I don't know, I don't know if I'd want to still be friends with that guy. Yeah, and yeah, like why are you why are you partying with a guy who literally owes you thousands of you know <laughs> thousands of dollars for a car, at least hundreds of dollars? You know, back then yeah, cars were a little back bit cheaper. Then, yeah. Um, I mean that's I call that a deadbeat. I mean maybe he just wanted to pork his wife on an island or something. Do you want to hear another one of my crazy made up scenarios for what probably happened? All right, this is what happened. 
uh, Freddie, Mary Lou, and Glenn went to this island, and um, you know, Glenn had this sexual fantasy of fucking Mary on an island, and, and uh, quite frankly, he didn't care about Freddie. He wasn't worried about it because he had you know his weapons with him. Um, then when they started drinking, Glenn's bisexual nature came out, and he wanted to have a three way with with all with both of them. And so they all got naked, and uh, Mary Lou was drunk, and she started making fun of the size of Glenn's manhood, if you know what I mean. And, you know, Freddie finds that hilarious, and they start laughing and laughing. Glenn's humiliated, naked, high and drunk, and he's like, fuck this. This dude owes me hundreds of dollars. This bitch called out the size of my small cock. I'm going to kill him. And then he killed him, and he was like, sweet, now I'm really tired, I'm going to take a nap. And then he woke up, sober, and he's like, shit, I got to get out of here. So he like fucking grabs like a cardboard box and swims to shore. That's what I think happened. <laughs> I think I think that's very feasible, I think that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so, anyway, the sheriff, I guess we have to, even though I know that's what happened, we have to continue with what the sheriff says. Um, the sheriff's department also learned of rumors that Freddie was a police informant and that he had fingered Glenn as being involved in in a stolen property ring. See, I never understood that term. Like when they finger somebody. See, I told you, bisexual. Freddie fingered Glenn. <laughs> it's my story. Freddie got fingered. I, my story is is taking on more and more um, water. It's holding more water, just like that boat that sank that uh, you know killed. Larry Race's wife. Uh, so yeah, he. So Freddie was apparently this informant, and he uh, he he did a sexual activity. No, I know fingered means that he he you know pretty much said fingered. Mm-hmm. I think means like pointed to, like you point you pointed at you know, proverbially. He pointed to Glenn and said, "Hey, he is bad news." Yeah. Um. So a witness claimed that Glenn had threatened Freddie and Mary Lou saying, I'll throw you to the crabs. Oh, wow. (laughs) Insults were just different in the 70s, folks. They were just different. Uh, I could could imagine going on YouTube if it was around in the 70s and and the insults would be a lot more easier to swallow than they are now. Um, He also said that Glenn had asked him to provide an alibi for the night of the murders. Another witness said that Glenn had borrowed a blue rug in order to conceal a gun. This rug was found at the crime scene. As a result of this evidence, Glenn was arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder. Before the start of his trial, however, Glenn pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to serve two life sentences as a result. He proclaims his innocence in their murders, adding that he only pleaded guilty to avert a death sentence. Because if he And then, isn't there something where he insinuates that like the... They told him like he could only serve six months or something. Well, or they, or some, they said that if he some, if he fought the case, he had a one out of five chance of winning the case. Yeah, and that if he pleaded, like he thought he was, yeah, it was something like he. They said he was only going to get like a six month something or other. I feel like, but then he ended up getting two life sentences. Yeah, um, Glenn's family, which I don't find that too crazy, especially back then. You know that that you would have prosecutors and and like you know people in law that would make shit up and lie to people just to get a certain uh, uh, result. They're like, oh yeah, sure, yeah. If you if you uh, plead guilty to these charges, uh, 
you could be out in six months. Well, they they know they don't have enough on him to like, yeah. you know. So they're get, they're doing the plea deal is kind of like a hey, you know, we got something on you, but but we don't have the smoking gun, as it were, you know, to put you away for sure. So here's this plea deal, you know. Glenn's family contacted private guest investigator Steve Milwee, who gave Glenn two polygraph tests. He passed both tests. That doesn't mean anything. I hate when I hate when people bring up fucking polygraph tests. I really don't give a shit about polygraph tests. Um, I, I really wish people would stop using them. <laughs> no more polygraph tests. Pretty much ever. Um. Blah 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 blah. Uh, but the prosecutors dismissed the test as unreliable. I mean, they're not admissible as evidence anyway, so it doesn't matter if he passed them. Um, it only it only matters if the police give you the polygraph test and you pass. Then they leave you alone. If you get an outside investigator to give you a polygraph, they're not going to take that. They have to be the ones that do it for them to kind of take their eyes off of you more so. So, but even then, they're still not necessarily going to take your their eyes yeah, off you. Yeah, they may you're not considered a prime suspect, even if you do pass a. It does help, though. It does help. I mean, I've seen, yeah. I've seen, we've seen multiple times on Unsolved Mysteries where the investigator is like, um, "Yeah, the individual that was being named as a suspect, uh, we've talked to him. He's taken a polygraph test, and we feel confident mm-hmm. that he was not involved." I've heard that a yeah. lot on the show. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, Steve tracked down several of the witnesses from the original investigation and found some inconsistencies in their stories. He also located Donna, quote unquote, a woman who claimed that she had gone to the island that night with two of Glenn's associates. According to her, one of the associates, Ted, was a key witness that implicated Glenn. Ted was angry at Freddie for being a police informant, so he went to the island to kill him. According to Donna, he forced her to participate in the murders, placing the twenty-two in her hand and making her shoot Freddie. The other man kill, killed Mary Lou for being a witness. The sheriff's department, however, does not believe that Donna is credible as she has been repeatedly diagnosed with schizophrenia. She reportedly has made fabricated stories before. However, also the story just sounds fabricated. Like, oh, uh, he put a gun in my hand and made me shoot him, and then he shot him later. One thing that with uh, the same gun. One thing this wikia fails to mention is when before Freddie, Glenn, and Mary Lou went to the island. Uh, his one, two of Glenn's associates were like about owing in regards to um freddie owing glenn money they were like hey do you want us to take care of freddie and then and glenn said no i'll handle it the mm-hmm. wiki didn't say that i think they did mention that earlier they never I'll take care of him yeah they said they mentioned the take care of it part but they never mentioned that he had associates until just now but that oh, was that okay. was kind of an important thing to know about glenn even from the beginning that he had the, the this mm-hmm. uh, muscle essentially behind him mm-hmm. um uh, she, so anyway, the schizophrenic chick Donna reportedly fabrica- has fabricated stories before. However, Glenn's public defender notes that Donna should not be discredited just because of her mental problems. I mean, I mean, he's got he's got a point. Schizophrenia sure. is a pretty big one. It is That's a pretty, pretty big one. one. If so, if the mm-hmm. if, if, if Donna had severe OCD, uh, yeah, absolutely, should not she should not be disregarded for her mental problems. But schizophrenia is literally seeing and hearing things that are not real. Um, yeah. I my one of my good friends also 
Also, she told six different stories, each one conflicting with one another. So, my friend is a recovering schizophrenic, and she remember she recalls perfectly plenty of stories when she was suffering from schizophrenia, and she would she thought she could hear what people were saying about her from like really far away, and that they were talking about her, and she you know would see. Yeah, you know, all, all kinds of crazy shit. I mean, schizophrenia, man. If that that is not a mental disorder that you want, although it is treatable, thankfully. Um, I don't think anyone wants a mental disorder. That's there's true. No, no. That is true. There is. <laughs> I, I have several of them, and I would not wish them on anyone. Um, so yeah, there's no mental disorder that anyone yeah would she, want. So she tells six different stories. In some of the stories, she claimed that the murders took place on Honeymoon Island. However, in each story. She did state that Ted was involved. Later, she recanted her statements, claiming that she had never been. T- it's like, bitch, stop wasting our time. Get the fuck out of yeah. here. Uh, other I, evidence- I'm wondering. I'm wondering. You know, since it's called Honeymoon Island, I'm wondering. Like after this murder case, it just it, it was just no longer a honeymoon spot anymore. Uh, the, the, people just didn't decide to to go to the island anymore. Just became a, an afterthought. Like two fucking bullets in me island. I don't know. <laughs> shotgun Murder. wound. Shotgun wound cove. Murder island. <laughs> Other evidence at the scene also suggested that more than one person was involved in the murders. Witnesses heard a single barrage of shots. Uh, it would not make sense for him to use two different weapons to commit the murders, which is true. I mean, that doesn't really make sense. I mean, th- yeah, there are some stuff here that does make you question. Yeah, for sure. That he did it at least himself. You Especially know, he, this he next detail. On his own. Freddie and Mary Lou's bodies weighed uh, near, together nearly 300 pounds, adding the weight of the anchor and boat engine. It seems unlikely that Glenn himself could carry that much down the beach and into the water. It's also, not just unlikely. It's, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible. He's not Superman. Also, it would not make sense for Glenn to sink his own boat as it would leave him at the crime scene with no easy way to get back to shore. According to Glenn and his supporters, this evidence suggests that he is innocent and someone else is responsible for the murders. Um, do I need to read about the suspects? I think I already did that and the no. stuff above. So this is unresolved. The state of Florida conducted three separate investigations. All of them concluded Glenn was guilty. He was paroled on December 22nd, 1992, but he died suddenly of a heart attack on August 21st, 1996. He was 50, uh, 56. He was never successful in proving his innocence, and the belief in his supporters are that Freddie and Mary Lou's killer or killers are still at large. However, the police in the state of Florida considers the case closed. So what do you think? Do you think he did it? Do you think he uh, killed uh, those two? Uh, well, I mean, I already told you what happened about the yeah. whole uh, three-way um, sexual bisexual sex party. Okay, uh, honestly, though. Uh, I guess if you want me to speculate outside of what, what really happened. Um, well, again, why would you hang out with a guy who owed you all that money? You're having an affair with Mary Lou. But the two guns, 
why would she get the shotgun and he get the twenty two? I mean, why you know, the whole dragging the bodies, leaving yourself? I mean, the, the whole thing would be mm-hmm. such a sloppy way to do that. I mean, yep. then again, you are taking them to an island that's mm-hmm. you know secluded. I don't know. It's a tough one. I, I mean, there's a possibility that there were accomplices that he was um, connected with where they knew where the island was. They just hung out somewhere and then waited until the right time and then killed him. And then again, I'd, I'd probably have to go with the whole reasonable, like there's reasonable doubt. So yeah, I, I, exactly. I wouldn't be able to convict. I, agree. I, I, I would not have convicted either. Um, it's interesting though, that there were three separate investigations and all of them concluded that he was guilty. But then again, I've noticed this a lot where states just tend to not want to... Yeah, they don't want to admit that they were yeah. wrong. I mean, what's that uh, That one guy on one of the episodes uh, of Unsolved Mysteries said, there's a rule with the uh, FBI when you... Sc- or uh, No, it was uh, the Dan Casalero case. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might have been... I don't know if it was Don Devereaux. One, someone on there said there's a rule in the government or the FBI when you screw up, you cover up. Yeah. So I mean if they if they were like, you know, if they did find any new information or new evidence, you know, it's unlikely that they're going to be like we were wrong and he innocent man went to jail because I mean then you're dealing with lawsuits, false imprisonment, you know. Uh-huh. All that like, shit. There's rare instances where they've done that, like uh the the case where the baby they said that the family poisoned the kid with uh, antifreeze. Well, that that, then, that that just straight up science, like pr- like yeah. di- set, like just was literally smacked but, them yeah, in the remember, face. Yeah, but remember how like adamant they were even after you know the initial appeal like the the first appeal like they were still really adamant they were on camera like no da, 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 da. and then science and then there then there was more stuff that popped up and then they had to eventually release uh the parents and then they had to issue a public apology we're sorry we're so sorry they just were like my bad sorry Sorry about that whole prison Tell you thing. What. Tell you what, we feel really bad about what we did. You know what? You can drive drunk. If you get pulled over, just give them this card. They'll let you go. You don't got to worry about us tailing you anytime you leave a bar. That's that's the only olive branch we can extend to you. Wouldn't of course, that? they would never never do that because that's just another lawsuit. I mean, they, they, <laughs> they could they could do it with me. I, I don't get drunk anymore. I just get really buzzed or I get alcohol poisoning. I've drank my way past the point. <laughs> oh my God. I've drank my way past the point of getting drunk in my brain, where you get all crazy and goofy and you say shit you wouldn't normally say and all. I I just I can't get to that point anymore. It's gone. That feeling is just gone. I I either get really buzzed to where I'm still in control of what I say. I'm uh-huh. just feeling good. Or alcohol poisoning. There's like no in between anymore. So it's kind of like what happens with people who take a lot of drugs. Yeah, your tolerance gets so your tolerance gets so high that like you're not really getting as high as you used to get. And if you try to get higher, you're just you're just gonna like OD. I think that's kind of like me and caffeine. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) caffeine can definitely do that with people. Yeah, yeah, it's also a drug. It can you can definitely become 
your tolerance to caffeine like stephanie like my bandmate like god her to- her caffeine my caffeine tolerance is very low i never drink coffee mm-hmm. i do drink monster energy drinks but they they use like taurine and l carnite yeah. and fucking what uh, they it's not just caffeine they use other shit in there uh, mm-hmm. i'm sure it's great for your body by the way i'm sure it's great for your health uh, but anyway, that's the end of the podcast. I got to, uh, what is it? Shit, it's almost a two-hour podcast. Damn, why are you guys complaining? You got, you got a, a nice, juicy one this time. Because we had good cases to work with. You know, that's what happens when you give us good cases. We produce more show. Yeah. When you give us shitty short cases, it's like, well, there's <laughs> nothing really to say about this. Except Josh speculating about all this crazy stuff that is probably true but there's really no way to prove you it, do so. get more stumbling and bumbling though so i that, yeah that, that's that's the trade-off i'd like to think it's endearing on a certain level <laughs> maybe that's my narcissism i don't know anyway uh you can um support us by go oh yeah by the way both of these uh segments patreon requests so see see the benefits for being a patreon and if you would like to join that club and 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 fucking tell us to dance, monkey dance, we will do that if the price is right. $5 a month. Patreon.com. I, 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 I won't dance like a monkey for $5 a month. That's dance, monkey, dance, monkey, dance, monkey, dance, monkey. Ah, ah. <laughs> I am so, I hate tones and I, and I'm so glad that song is no longer played. Ooh, 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 ah. God, I hated her voice so, it was like, ugh. I, what song is this? It's called Dance really Monkey think. by uh, Tones and I. Dance Never Monkey, Dance it. Monkey, Dance Monkey. Ah, ah. Oh, it's her. Oh, her voice is horrendous. It's like the worst female vocalist I've ever heard. Look it up. More annoying you- than the Cranberries. <laughs> oh, Cranberries is legit, man. Well, I mean, the zombie part can get a little... Uh, uh, a part. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, ooh, ooh, uh. yeah, I get it. You're an Irish banshee. You don't have to keep doing that shit. Oh, God, I hate... I'm so over that song. I do like the cranberries in general, but I'm sick of that song. That's what I was talking about. Anyway, patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries is where you can uh, become a Patreon member. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Go to Facebook.com and go to the search bar, type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Um, I think there's a link to join the group in the description of this podcast. So you can just click on that, make it a little bit easier for you. Um, And me and Mike have YouTube channels. The links to those are also in the description. I don't know why all these years I've never said, hey, the links to this shit is in the description of this podcast. I just said the names of the channels on here expecting people to remember them <laughs> but anyway mike's channel he's a movie buff it's o- uh, youtube.com slash ocp communications movie guy mike what was the last movie you did last uh, review i did uh that i uploaded is of the 1973 martial arts classic enter the dragon nice yeah watch it for the first time recently and uh really enjoyed it i can see why a lot of people uh like that one see why it's definitely uh, stood the test of time all right right on go over to mike's channel if you want to see that if you're more interested in music then you can go over to my channel i talk, I do music biographies i do ratings i do reviews i do 
extra stuff about other things, everything you want. It's uh, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts, which you obviously know by now is also my band that you can stream on Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, Apple Music, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, God damn it, we're everywhere. My last video that I did was a 2022 channel update. I talk about my plans for the future of my channel, which is basically just long story short, more videos about music related things. I pretty much probably could have made that video 30 seconds long, but I like to bloviate, so... It's like 15 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it. I got to go host some karaoke now. Wish wish me your best, everyone. Until next or until bi-weekly from now. Bye. See ya. <laughs> Ugh. So, uh, this time, this, uh, well, god damn it. <laughs> god damn it, baby. <laughs> that's, a, that's an edit, sorry. Uh, let me see. 27. Fucking caffeine, kick in already. Jesus fucking Christ. It doesn't help either that my room is like a fucking sauna right now. I'm sweating my ass off, because the, whenever the heater kicks on in here, it just, it's off right now, but it was on for like, Feels like an hour. It's like a goddamn sauna. In well, here. you're having brain farts, and I'm over here having literal physical farts. There have been <laughs> several times. Are that those I, the fucking vitamins again? I man? don't know, dude. It, there was there's been several times where I've been in the middle of talking, and I just let one rip, and I'm hoping <laughs> that no one hears it <laughs> because I'm talking as I'm farting. If I if I farted and I wasn't talking, I could just edit that out. But if I'm farting while I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to make a note as to why the podcast abruptly edited weird. It's like, yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> I was trying to edit the farts out of my talking, but I couldn't do it. So I had to edit out large portions of the podcast. <laughs> Just uh, Glenn farts. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a goddamn a cough button, like a button I could, a physical button that I could press uh, near me to mute the microphone. <laughs> Instead, I have to go on skype like i'm gonna hit mute right now and talk and and tell me if you can still hear me okay it's on mute right now can you hear me can you hear me can Mike? i hear you at all okay so that button does work then good yeah all right well now i know that i at least have that <laughs>
next time I need a fart. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's like, yeah, I think the vitamins start kind of digesting and taking effect right around the time I eat lunch. So mm-hmm. they just all mix together and just cause <laughs> flatulence. Yeah, they should like warn people. Just be like, uh, yeah, caution may cause noxious fumes. <laughs> Dude, I'm mixing. I'm mixing everything together. I'm mixing liver support, kidney support, multivitamins. I'm trying to get the maximum, all the help I can get with as much as I drink. I'm trying to repair my my liver uh-huh. as I damage it. You know, so thinking thinking ahead there.